Good morning. It is Thursday, August 26th. Today on the show, tension brewing between Cleveland and Kansas City, Browns trade rumors, big training camp updates for the Cleveland Browns, and what does Joe Woods really expect to get out of this highly revamped Cleveland defense? All that and more coming up on First and Ten. Good morning, everybody. Blaze of Glory here. I will be your host on First and Ten. Thanks for tuning in with me. Uh, Today on the show, we have some pretty fun stuff to talk about, some big updates from training camp. But the first thing I want to dive into is an interview that John Johnson did. And he claimed that the upcoming meeting between the Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs would be vindictive. And it would have a very vindictive vibe. This both excites and scares me. Because vindictive can also mean tunnel vision. It means nothing more than you want to go at them and basically control them. But Kansas City is one team you cannot do that with. I think there needs to be respect on both sides or else it could get really ugly for either team. While I'm really happy to hear this guy come in and you know immediately instill this alpha dog mentality in our secondary... He wasn't there. So while I appreciate the attitude, I think he needs to be more focused on getting our guys fully ready and fully respecting what that Kansas City offense can do. I think everybody can agree with the emotion, knowing what actually happened in that Kansas City game, but we have to we have to respect them. We have to. We have got to respect Kansas City. Their offense is no joke. Their offensive line is three times better than it was the last time we played them. And it's not going to be easy. So vindictive, yes, but respectful needs to be another key word in there. Also, yesterday some rumors broke about the Browns possibly looking into trading for Shaq Lawson out of Houston. Now, while I think this could be a big pickup for the Browns, I think we need to be very careful because realistically, Shaq Lawson, while very talented, former first-round pick, could come in here and basically only compete for the fourth edge rusher spot. It's not like he's coming in to compete for an actual starting position. So that being said, I'm not looking to give up anything more than maybe a fifth or sixth round pick tops, maybe a cuttable player. That's about it. An upside would be the fact that we could basically dump him after this year cost free. He does have talent. Um, 6'4", 275, big guy. He's only 27. Like I said, he was a first round pick for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Torres Labrum is a rookie, you know, which kind of started his career weird. He ended up with six and a half sacks in 2019. After that, he signed a three-year deal with the Dolphins, and he only played one of that for the Dolphins and got four sacks before he was traded to Houston. Now, I, I think everybody can take anything that happens in Houston with a grain of salt, but the point I'm trying to get across is this isn't an actual first-round talent we're talking here. Can he come in and compete with Porter Gustin and Joe Jackson for that last edge rusher spot? Yes. Is it worth giving up draft capital? No. So sixth-round pick, fifth-round pick, something like that, I would be okay with. But anything more than that, I think it's just flapping wings. Also today, Joe Woods, what does he expect out of this highly revamped Cleveland defense? Last year, we were one of the league leaders in turnovers through the first half of the year, but we were very streaky in that sense. We'd get hot and we'd get cold. We ended the season 18th with 21 forced turnovers, 
and including the 16 that we committed ourselves, it landed us at number nine overall last season. Now, while that's very respectable, I think that's also very improvable considering how bad our secondary was. And that's one main thing he said he wanted to see improve. So considering we dumped a bunch of draft capital into speed and coverage, I think that's completely doable and it needs to be a highlight for us. Another thing that he said he wants to improve on is the turnover battle. Okay. Now this heavily ties into the overall turnover margin, but even if you're not a league leader in turnovers, if you're winning the turnover battle game by game, you're going to win. The Browns won every single game where they tied or led in turnovers last year. They only won one game where they didn't, and that was against Jacksonville, who I think we can all take a grain of salt to that. Last year, we allowed teams to convert 43.9% of the time on third down. Not very good. Not very good. That landed us 23rd in the NFL. That's something that is going to be the no most noticeable change as a result of this revamped secondary. Teams could throw on us almost at will last year. I believe that's going to change this year. You bring in Greg Newsom, you get Greedy back, even though he is still having his issues. You're hopefully going to get Grant Delpit back. You bring in John Johnson. You bring in Awusu Koromoa, who is looking pretty darn good aside from the four stitches in his forehead, which we've been told he'll be okay. But my point is we added a lot of speed and a lot of talent to the secondary. So 23rd in the NFL is no longer acceptable on third down. And the biggest side point to that being on fourth down, which unless it's fourth and one is going to be almost an exclusively throwing play. 81% allowed on fourth. That's 31st in the NFL. That has got to change if the Browns want to win a Super Bowl. And Joe Woods thinks it will. Um, they were only able to run 16 plays out of the dime package last year, which is probably the biggest reason their third and fourth down percentage suffered. They plan to run over 400, I'm told, out of the dime package this year. Some of those including three safeties on the field, and we all know the Browns have some pretty talented safeties back there. They did okay in the red zone last year at 14th overall with 60% allowed. While that's, again, while that's not horrible, that needs to improve. The biggest reason for that being teams should not be able to throw on us this year. I think we're all looking forward to seeing what Joe Woods comes up with to put this into action, though. Other big news today coming out of training camp, OBJ finally takes part in seven-on-seven -seven drills for the first time this offseason. Previously, he's only done individual and position drills. He did catch a pass, and all signs are pointing to he'll be fully ready to go week one. So that's big, big news. We all know that OBJ brings a completely different talent set to the field than almost any other player. Tack also practiced for the first time since July 31st. Tack McKinley is a huge addition to this defensive line considering they lost Adrian Claiborne and Olivier Vernon. He needs to be healthy and he needs to show out because to be honest, I don't think anybody really likes the position he's in right now. So this needs to be his year. He needs to get in there. He needs to get healthy and let's see what we got from him, you know. Um, also returned yesterday was Jamarcus Bradley, the wide receiver, Porter Gustin, the defensive end, Sheldrick Redwine, and Denzel Ward. 
All back playing, all back healthy. J.C. Treader did not practice, but it is believed he's okay. That was planned. Jarvis Landry also had a planned rest day, and Jack Conklin did not practice due to illness, so best of luck to him. Brown's front office yesterday waived cornerback Robert Jackson and signed linebacker Tracy Scales, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Scales, probably not going to be a major piece to this team, but let's do a once-over on him real quick, shall we? Undrafted in 2018, he signed with the LA Rams. He played for the Rams, Colts, the Dallas Renegades in the XFL, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, and the Steelers twice before getting to the Browns. He did play in four games last year, didn't record any tackles, but... I don't know. Let's see what we got from the kid. You know, I'm always excited to bring in new talent. Elsewhere in the NFL, the Minnesota Vikings hosted on Monday a infectious disease expert from the University of Minnesota named Michael Osterholm to speak and encourage players to get vaccinated amongst the NFL's lowest vaccination rate at 70%. When asked about his visit, he said, what I shared with them was really just addressing the disinformation out there. A rumor that 6,700 people had died from taking the vaccine, absolutely not true. Another rumor that the vaccine makes you sterile, absolutely not true. And once that disinformation piece becomes talked about, it becomes fact. The other thing I appealed to their team was, as a team, you have to take care of each other. Getting vaccinated today is not just about protecting yourself. If you're an adult, it's about protecting your kids from getting the virus. Basically, what he's trying to say is get your head out of your ass, you get paid millions of dollars, and you're a role model for everyone else you need to be vaccinated. And I personally agree with that. I have no issue with that. Also, Bills wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley were fined almost $15,000 apiece for COVID mask violations. What is your guys' problem? You're just trying to make a problem. Also, Dwayne Haskins says Mike Tomlin is the first coach in his professional career to give him an adequate scouting report on the opposing team. WTF WFT. What the fuck, Washington football team? What were you doing over there, man? I mean, is a little bit of Dwayne Haskins' career this far on him? Of course, but what were you doing? Can you guys do anything right? Also, after Teddy Bridgewater wins the quarterback battle in Denver, Drew Locke says there's no ill feelings towards the 28-year-old QB. He says losing the QB battle has disappointed him, but the experience has also humbled him in that he will do anything to help Teddy Bridgewater succeed. Coming from a Browns fan, let's hope not. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was named the starter in Jacksonville over Gardner Minshew for his first career regular season game. Uh, Cam Newton returns to a standing ovation after a five-day absence from New England Patriots training camp. Uh, Listen, Cam, you're in a weird situation. Uh, No one can blame you for not wanting to give up the game yet, but no one can argue your best days are behind you. So let's just hope you can buckle down and find a way to make this work. And on that note, I think it's about time to wrap up this down. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Don't forget to tune in for first, second, third, and fourth down every week and our Red Zone special every weekend. Have a wonderful day and stay safe.